Yes, Lord, we just come to you this evening, another time of, of blessing. A blessing, O oh Lord, to be found in your house, even in the middle of a work week. That we could come to you as your children to listen to your word and to listen, to hear your voice. And this evening, O oh Lord, I just humble myself before you, O oh Lord, and I just, each one of us, we just humble ourselves. Even as we sang, O oh Lord, you lower us, you lower us to raise us so that we can sing your praises. Oh Lord, we thank you, Father, for, for your work in our lives. And Lord, this evening, even as now we meditate upon your word, you speak to our hearts. Wash us, cleanse us. And as the dear sister prayed, Lord, let there be no offense in us. There's no, let there be no cause of stumbling in us. Oh, Father, have mercy upon us. Just plead for your mercy. We plead for your anointing. I plead for your anointing. Because without your anointing, we can do nothing. We'll just be empty, oh Lord. Empty vessels making a lot of noise. A lot of sound and fury. But signifying nothing. But Lord, I pray, even as you anoint this word, let it penetrate into the deepmost recesses of our heart. Divide the soul and the spirit, the joint and the marrow. The thoughts and the intents of our heart, let, it, let them be discerned. And let it bring, Father, cleansing and washing and deliverance into our lives. To that end, I pray that you would anoint the speaking and the hearing of this word. We thank you, we praise you. In Jesus' name, Amen. Um, if you've been here in our church for a few Sundays, and the last Sunday and Wednesday, I mean, at least according to me, I feel that some of the most important messages ever preached from our pulpit. Um, it's, I don't know if you could ever remain the same after listening to the truth. It's important for us to understand that we don't take things lightly. You know, I was, I was there teaching Sunday school on, 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 um, Sunday and I just went back home and I just heard the message and I was trembling, honestly. It was so powerful. Some of the most important messages that have come from this pulpit, it's possibly, uh, I would rate it on the top 10 for sure. It's very difficult to rate messages, but I rate them there. No, let them be on the top 10. I hope you rate them too. I was listening to a man of God in the morning. I mean, Derek Prince, actually, uh, his legacy radio on iPod, on podcast. Um, and this uh, host, he says something very interesting. He says, after you listen to the message, develop a strategy to obey it. Think about it. I mean, I, I listen to, put, put that in the context of what we heard on Wednesday and last Wednesday and this last Sunday. Did you develop a strategy to obey it or did you just, just hear it and say, that was a good word? Word is not for our enjoyment, it is for obedience. Today we just listen to it, okay, listen to what I'm saying. It's, uh, my interpretation of what I heard on Wednesday and Thursday, on, on, on Sunday. It's just a corollary, it's a fallout of what I heard on Sunday and Wednesday. So, let's listen to it, boy, and just, just look into the word. Just want to look at the first verse for the day. John's Gospel chapter 1 verse 17. For the law was given through Moses. But grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. 
John's Gospel chapter 1 verse 17. And when you read the Bible, read it carefully, word by word. And one of the most important words in the Bible is the word. Read it out. For. Because. It's one of the greatest discoveries I've made. The Bible reasons with us. It doesn't just give us truths to to follow. No, 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 no. It reasons with us. For. Therefore, something is preceding it. So what is preceding it? So let's just look at that together. Two verses together. 16 and 17, obviously. And of his fullness. This is John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. And of his fullness, we have all received grace for grace or grace upon grace, as some translation would say. For the law was given through Moses, but, uh, as you see, you can see it's in italics. It's not there in the original, so I don't like it, so I'll just cross it off, okay? But, it's not there. For law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So what corresponds to truth, which came through Jesus Christ, is the law, that's a correspondence. Truth and the law, they correspond to each other. Okay? Torah, first five books of, the, of Moses. And it's feminine. Interesting. Torah is feminine, by the way. And therefore, you know what Proverbs says? You know, all nouns in Hebrew, they don't have neuter gender. Every noun is either masculine or feminine. Okay? So Torah is feminine. And that's interesting. Why I'm saying that is, in when Solomon writes the book of Proverbs, he says, My son, do not forget the instruction of your father and don't forsake the law of your mother. Torah of your mother. Feminine. Okay. Just, that is for free, no relevance to today's message. Uh, you don't have to pay me for that. Okay, just uh, threw it there. So the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And the point of, if if I, if, if you were to listen to last Wednesday's and uh, Sunday's message, the point of truth is, the, the, the it, it was a rhetorical question. Can you handle truth? Can you, I mean, like we keep telling in our church, can you handle truth? It's a rhetorical question. So what should your answer be? Yes, answer is no. You can handle. (laughs) I'm sorry, you can't. In yourself, it's impossible. I mean, I, I, I remember the last, one of the last sentences that Pastor gave in message, gave in the message on Wednesday. He said, you know, I can only preach the truth. I can't give you grace. <laughs> you see, the whole idea is, I can't, I, I thought it was so, so remarkable because all we can do as preachers is to proclaim the truth. And if you look at truth in its totality, you can't handle it. It's impossible to handle it. See, it's it's scary. You see, that is the reason why Pilate asked this question, what is truth? And he goes away 
and he can't handle it. You know, he can't handle it. He's trembling. And he goes out and he says, he, this fellow said he was a son of God. Son of God. And he goes back and he says, who are you? Who are you? Jesus just keeps his mouth shut. You know, again, he comes out and you know what he says? He washes off his hands and he says, I'm innocent of the blood of this guilty man. But let me tell you, he was trying to evade the truth, but you can never evade truth. You, and he could not handle it. Just because you could not handle it, you can't evade it. It is going to confront you one day or the other. So I'm preparing, for, I was preparing for this message. I was, my heart was beating against my chest because some of the things that I learned, which is going to come out as an expression of today's, to a sermon is so very important. That is the reason why what is given is what? Grace upon grace is because for the very reason in ourselves we can't handle truth. You see, it's impossible for us to handle truth. But the problem is we are all made for truth. You see, I mean, I, I gave you this example some time back. You know, you go and eat Pani Puri on the Monday. Okay. Okay. He makes Pani Puri. Those days, nowadays they put gloves and all. Try to give a semblance of some sanity or hygiene. Uh, but but when you go to the, the Pani Puri booth and, uh, and you love Pani Puri, right? Oh, we just love it. And we call it Gapchup. That means don't keep your mouth shut. Just eat it. It's very interesting words that we give in Hyderabad. Gapchup. Okay. So, 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 so the guy is just putting his hands into that water. I mean, those days he wouldn't put it, he wouldn't put the glove. He just put it with his hands into that water like that. And then he gives it into your hands. Or he puts it in your thing and you put that piage with his dirty hands. Piage also he put it. And then you keep it in your mouth and you say, Kya baat hai? You know, that is your subjective reality. Subjective truth. And you also almost want to kiss the hands of the guy. <laughs> you see, you see, because it's, 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 it's subjective because your emotions and your taste buds are lying. But you know something, your stomach doesn't care. Because it needs what? Truth. So that fellow goes inside and this fellow, if stomach were to have a voice, what are you eating, you fellow? You Do you know tomorrow results are going to be declared? You see, internal organs don't care about what your taste buds say. That is subjective. Internal organs only care about the objective truth. Your soul, my dear brothers and sisters, is made for truth. Or rather, your spirit is made for truth. Soul is, 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 is movable. It's emotional. One day it is high, one day it is low. It's like Peter. Therefore, it is so very important for us to understand that we in ourselves can't handle truth. No, that is the reason why so many of the sermons have to be sugar coated. No, that's just started recently. Say no to sugar campaign. Say no to drugs. No, say no to sugar. Okay. Important for us to understand. What is the importance of this? The law and the truth, which essentially personifies or rather uh, codes the truth is the law. It's a coding of the truth. 
The importance is very, is very significant. I mean, I was, I was, I was trying to understand this for my own self and I just came up with some statements and just want us, want us to follow because Wednesday is study. So just follow it. Okay. I just need your faculties, reasoning faculties sharpened. The depth of our repentance and therefore our conversion corresponds directly to our understanding of the law and its demands. Or other, if I can use the word law and truth interchangeably, the truth and its demands. Why? Because it, the law, has a profound effect in understanding my sin and its deceitfulness. That is the whole idea of preaching, by the way. Of, of, of preaching the truth. Upholding the righteousness of God. Upholding the truth of God. Upholding the character of God. Because the law is the codification of the character of God. That is the reason why we need, we have three, uh, three coordinates for truth. Remember? The person of Christ, the word of God, and the spirit of truth. Three. And, 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 and the word is codifying the person of Christ and saying who he is in his, in his complete totality. Can we really handle him? And because the way we handle truth reflects on how we understand our own sin. My sin, not my neighbor's sin. My, my sin. Mm-hmm. That is the reason why the law is preached. Uh, Romans chapter 3 verses 19 to 20 will talk about this. It says, it says, now we know that whatever the law says, do you know the law has a voice? It speaks. Hmm? It's just not one book. It says to those who are under the law, that uh, it speaks to those who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may become guilty before God. Therefore, or in other translations, the word therefore is changes for, because by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. You see, by the law, in its totality, I understand my sin. I understand how deceitful I am. Okay. It's, it's interesting. Another, I mean, if you read the book of Romans, just going through a few verses in the book of Romans, I'm looking at another few, a couple of verses corresponding to the law, interchangeably with the truth. Romans chapter 5 verses 12 and 20. Two verses. Therefore, just as through one man, what came? Sin entered into the world. What came? Sin entered. The, the word in Greek is eserkomai. <laughs> Enter the dragon, in other words. Sin entered. One man's sin. Sin as a person entered. It as a power entered. By one man's sin, sin entered into the world. And death through sin. And death passed through all men. For all have sinned. And to make matters worse, verse 20 will say, Moreover, the law entered. <laughs> <laughs> this is interesting. This is this is these are two verses. Enter is eserkomai. This enter over here, by the way, the Greek is para eserkomai. What is para eserkomai? Something which comes and stands beside you. Okay. So what happened? Sin entered, and what happened? Law came and stood beside sin. And what did it do? It made sin look so big. And you said, boy, 
that the offense might abound. See? I'm sure you know this name. <laughs> Sorry, just kidding. <laughs> William R. Newell is a hymn writer of the 1700s, uh, the, 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 the product of the Protestant Reformation. I am telling you honestly, what we need now is not revival, we need reformation. Look at, look at what he says in one of his stanzas. He wrote this book, uh, to, to Calvary, my children at GTLC know. This is, I, I taught them and if you were there in one of the Sundays, I did it as the offering. Look at what he says. Look at what he says in one of his stanzas. It's so powerful. Look at what he says. He says, by God's grace, at last my sin, I learned. And then what did I do? Then I tremble at the law I spurned. Trembling is a gift. Till my guilty soul imploring turned to Calvary. You know what the word implore? We don't have this word in, in our dictionaries anymore. Imploring means to beg. You know what? I came to know the righteousness of my master and I fall on my seat. Master, I beg you for mercy, please. That is imploring. That is trembling. I mean, one of the things that honestly could be a subjective experience, but let me tell you honestly, I heard last Wednesday and last Thursday and I couldn't just stop but trembling. And by the way, trembling is good. Let me ask you this question, my dear brothers and sisters. When did you beg the Lord last time for mercy? Did you ever beg? You know, one of the things that Every time happens when the dedication of the tabernacle takes place and when the dedication of the first temple takes place and when the dedication of the second temple takes place. You know, what is the chorus that they sing? You got it, Peter. A for the day for you. A plus, in fact. Your mercy endures forever. That was a cry. Let me ask you this question. No, think about it. How many times, how many of us, honestly speaking, when was the last time we implored with God for mercy? For mercy. Isn't it interesting? The guy who owed him money, he couldn't pay. He said, sell this fellow. Huh? Sell this fellow and, uh, and he implored, he begged. Think about it. Just want to, just, just a, a thought experiment. Okay. Simon the Pharisee invites Jesus. How many of you know that parable? This is not a parable, it's a, it's a reality. Okay. So Simon the Pharisee invites Jesus and that lady is washing his feet. Simon is upset. If this, if this man is really a prophet, he would know what kind of a woman he is, she is. And, uh, Jesus asks, throws a parable. He says, Simon, there were two people who owed money to the master. One owed 50 rupees. The other owed 500,000 rupees. And when both of them could not pay, He frankly forgave them. He freely forgave them, not frankly. Freely forgave them both. Now tell me, Simon, which of these two loves the master more? Simon is very, very intelligent. 
because he is Jewish, he understands mathematics and and etc. He says, definitely the woman who owed 500,000 rupees. The girl, who person who owed 500,000 rupees. Look at this woman. Her sins which are many, etc. No, the, the parable we understand. No, look at the, the thought experiment is this. The woman who, the person who owed 500,000 rupees corresponds to whom in the parable? Answer? Woman. The, the, the person who owed 50 rupees corresponds to whom? Simon. Who is more poor? The person who cannot repeat, repay 50 rupees or the person who cannot repay 500,000 rupees? Who is more poor? Answer? The person who cannot repay 50 rupees. You forget that you are so poor. <laughs> you see? And therefore we never beg God for mercy. I and mean, that is the reason why. Where did we hear these songs these days? You know, you have to search for songs like, like this needle in a haystack. No? Where is one song? Oh, in Christ alone. One song. Thank you, Jesus. Ah, one song. Where do you find songs like this? No wonder our worship is shallow. Our prayer life is shallow. Our fellowship is shallow. Everything is shallow. Because we don't understand that we all need mercy. We need to implore God. You know why? Because we have not understood the demands of the law. The demands of truth. Follow with me carefully. Isaiah chapter 66 verse 1 and 2. This is what he says. Thus says the Lord. It's a, it's, it's a gift by the way. To tremble is a gift. Thus says the Lord. Heaven is my throne. Earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you will build for me? And there, where is the place of my rest? For all those things my hand has made. And all those things exist says the Lord. But to this one I will look. On whom whose poor and contrite spirit. And read that carefully. Trembles at my word. You know, one of the things that dangers of being in a church like this is that we get familiar with the word and we don't tremble at it. Too familiar. I mean, you need to really go. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not boasting about my church. Sorry for you visitors who are coming for the first time. I'm not like, boasting here. You know, I go to some churches and I have to listen to the word. There is absolutely no content at all. It's like one centimeter deep. It doesn't even stick to your feet by the time you go out. Honestly. You see? Romans chapter 7 verses 7 to 9. What shall we say then? That the law is sin? By no means. Yet if it had not been for the law, which is essentially the truth, I would not have known sin. You see that? For I would not, not, for I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said, you shall not covet but sin seizing opportunity, but sin seizing opportunity by through the commandment produced in me all kinds of covetousness. For apart from the law, sin lies dead. That means it's not, it, you don't even realize that you have sin. And I, honestly, tell you, I'm telling you, if you don't uphold truth, you don't realize that you have sin in your lives. And, and you are subconsciously, unconsciously confessing, I have no sin. And in the process you are making, yes, somebody says something. God a liar. Do you know that? Do you know that? The implications of this. For apart from the law, sin lies dead. 
I was once alive apart from the law. I was thinking that I was doing well. But when the commandment came, meaning it came home. It's like, you know, I, I was telling pastor the other day after he preached the sermon, I said, pastor, so many things fell into place. And Tim Kellum gave this very interesting illustration. You know, how many of you have seen uh, vending machines? Uh, especially, you know, if you go to US, you'll find vending machines everywhere. You know, in some vending machines, what you need to do is you put two quarters for a, a dollar, actually, those days, a dollar for a Pepsi can. So put a dollar, the, the thing goes in, but the thing doesn't come out. The, the Pepsi can doesn't come out. So what you have to do is, you do like that first. And then, it'll go there, inside. And then, the thing comes out. And I was telling Pastor, Pastor, exactly what you did. You did. So that the commandment, what? Came home. <laughs> and then I understood what, what was the reality of my own sin. See, no, so many people have no idea. So what we have to do over and over again with, we have to do, <laughs> and then, oh yeah, my sin, <laughs> it comes home. Sin came alive and I died. And then Jesus continues, he says, has that which is good become death to me? Certainly not. But sin that it might appear, sin was producing death in me through what is good, so that sin through the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, soldier. I have to realize that I am carnal. So that, I will confess, there is nothing Good in my flesh, 718. And then what will I say? Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? Lord, honestly, when was the last time you said this? Oh, wretched man. You know, I, I remember Sri Karno, when the first time when he came to our church. <laughs> so these are the things that you need to, you need to realize, okay? He was going on the bike with, uh, with, uh, with, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Pr- Praveen, okay? He was going on the bike. He listened to the Sunday morning sermon, going on the mic, and he was thinking over the sermon. And, and then at a point in the intersection, he stopped and he said, Jeevitam, he said that. <laughs> you know, he said, my God, where am I? Jeevitam. You know I, mean? I, I thought, it, I said, it had just only happened once for you. It happened so many times. For 10 years, it's been happening. Jeevitam. <laughs> You see, oh, wretched man that I am. Have you ever said that? Oh, it's subjective. Sorry. I'm sure you note this name again. (laughs) Sorry, I'm just playing the fool with you. You know his hymn though. Okay, his hymn is Rock of Ages, Cleft for Me. Look at what he says in one of his stanzas. My favorite song. Not the labor of my hands. What? Can fulfill thy loss demands. Could my zeal no respite no? Could my tears forever flow? All for sin could not atone. Thou must save and thou alone. He understands the demands of the law. You see that? Where, where are the songwriters of the day? Worship leaders, search for the needles in the haystack. And that's the reason why I, I, I teach my children hymns. You know why? I, I look at theology. Theology expressed through music. And this is not 
normal theology of the mind. It is a theology of the spirit. And that is, that is why he says, nothing in my hands I bring. <laughs> Simply to the cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress. Helpless look to thee for grace. Foul I to the fountain fly. Wash me, Savior, or I die. While I draw this fleeting breath, when my eyes shall close in death, when I soar to worlds unknown to see thee on thy judgment throne, rock of ages cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. Why? Why is the preaching of the truth so important? Galatians chapter 3 verse 24. Therefore, the law was our schoolmaster, tutor. Tutor, imagine mommy and papa, my father, my father and mother. Okay. <laughs> Actually, my father and mother are there to show how good you are in your subject. Children? <laughs> okay. It's just think about it. Law was a tutor, the schoolmaster to where? So that he might bring us to Christ. That was that was what Pastor was talking about. I can only preach the truth, but only God can give you grace. So I'm preaching the truth so that I can bring you to Christ. So bring us to Christ. That is the whole point of the law. That is the reason why the Jews were blessed. You see, they had the law. Not the main point of my today, my today's sermon, but I just want to take a slight detour, okay, tan, slight tangent, and I'm going to come back. Okay, force me if I'm not if I'm not back. Okay, just a small tangent. Look at some verses which I just uh, enumerated. Okay, for for us to understand the advantage of what the Jewish people had. Romans chapter three verses one and two. What advantage has the Jew, or what is the profit of circumcision? Much in every way, chiefly because to them were what committed. The oracles of God for what if some did not believe. Let me tell you something. Sometimes I feel sitting in this church, we are privileged because to us are committed the oracles of God. And what if some did not believe? Okay, that was the advantage that you had. Committed the oracles of God. Now you need to understand this is so significant. I'll tell you why this is significant. What is the law? The law is... The word Torah, which includes the first five books of Moses. And what are the first five books of Moses? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Everybody knows that. I'm going to look at one small verse to amplify this privilege. To just bring it out. What it actually means. Exodus chapter 22, verse 8 to 9. Look at this carefully, okay? Don't fall asleep. Just Follow this carefully and then we'll go to animations because you like animations, right? So I brought along some animations to make you understand. So Exodus chapter 22 verses 8 and 9. This is very interesting. If the thief is not found, then the master of the house shall be brought to the judges to see whether he has, whether he has put his hand to his neighbor's goods. In other words, to, ch- to check if, if a guy has really stolen or not, bring him to the judges. To where should, he, should they bring him? To the, everybody say that? To the judges. Okay. Again, verse 9. For any kind of trespass, whether it is, whether it concerns an ox, a donkey, a sheep, or clothing, or for any kind of lost thing which another claims to be his, the cause of both parties shall come before the judges. And whomever the judges 
condemned shall pay the double or to his neighbor. The judges, the judges, the judges. Okay, I wanted to go through the Bible this year. Okay. So in order to do that, you see what happens is that some translations are very heavy. If you like to read through the Bible in the KJV, you'll just get lost. Okay. Don't try to read through the Bible in KJV. It was a simpler translation. So I started with, uh, recommended by, of course, uh, Eric, Pastor Eric, started reading the New Living Translation. And when he was, I was reading through Exodus and I came to this point and instead of the judges, he, he replaces the judges and he makes a very interesting word. So when I looked at that word, I don't want to tell you what that word is. When I looked at the word and I, I went back and I checked the original Hebrew to see what is going on over here. The word judges. Do you know what it means? The original? Any guesses? Any guesses? Beyond your wildest dreams. Think about the best word that you can come up with. Excuse me? You said gods? Hurry, this fellow is absolutely fantastic, I say. I mean, he's like A plus Peter. That's exactly the word. Elohim. I was reading this and I was, the moment I saw that, I, something clicked again. You see, this is the that happened in, in my mind. And I was, I was directed to one particular word in, in John's gospel chapter 10 verses 31 to 35. It says, uh, then the Jews took and took up stones to stone him. Jesus answered them, many good works I have shown you, shown you from the father. For which of those works do you stone me? So whenever Jesus makes a fantastic statement, Profound statements. The Jews come to our rescue. How do they come to our rescue? They pick up stones. Okay, so whenever they're picking up stones, something profound is happening over there. Okay, Jews answered him saying, for a good work we did not stone you, but for blasphemy. Because you being a man, make yourself God. You know what Jesus answers? Jesus answers, is it not written in your law? I said you are gods. And he says, if he called them gods to whom the word of God came. You see, what a privilege given to the Jewish people. That is the reason why he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul says, when you have a dispute, property dispute, instead of solving it among yourselves, you are making it public. Don't you know one day you will sit on the throne judging angels? In the place of God? Do you know your privilege? Do you know your privilege? Okay, that's my detour. Come back now to the main point. That's just a side point, free of cost, even though I expounded so much, so much of energy. Let's enumerate a few more uh, advantage to the Jew. Romans chapter 9, verse 4. You see, you, when you study, when you listen to the Wednesday message, you have to go through a study, okay? Just, just, just don't just take it like lightly. I'm telling you honestly, just listen to it over and over again. It's so significant. I can't, I can't emphasize it more. Nokke Nokke Literally, For you, for those of you who don't, don't understand Telugu, I'm trying to press it into your system. Romans chapter 9 verse 4. Now he's, he's enumerating a few more of the privileges of the Jewish people. 
Who are the Israelites? To whom belong the adoption as sons, of course. That's the connotation. The. Read that. Can I hear your voice, please? The glory. Okay. The covenants. Read that next one. The. Do you find something strange over here? Okay. If I was Paul, (laughs) you know, how would I write? How would I have written? Enumerate the fundamental rights of the citizen of India. I can start with number 10. Doesn't matter the order. Doesn't matter the precision. Look at how Paul is writing. Who are the Israelites? To whom belong the adoption? If I were Paul, I would have, I would have written. And let me see what you are guessing also. Who are the Israelites to whom belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants? I would have said the law. Huh? Right? The law. The service or the worship. And the promises. But what does Paul say? Oh, the giving of the law. That is significant. You see, the word glory in the Hebrew language is actually the word kabod, from which we get the word weight. Kabod. It's very weighty. Kabod. Weight. That is the reason why Paul gets this idea interestingly and he says, weight of glory. Remember, that's what he says in Second Corinthians chapter 3 of chapter 4. He says the weight of glory. Glory itself is weight. It's like this. Imagine what it, what it, what it means. Think about a huge ice uh, lake. You, you guys don't know. When I was in Canada during winter, there used to be a lake, a river called St. Laurent. St. Laurent River. It flows alongside uh, Montreal. During winter, the temperatures are negative 35 with wind chill negative 50. Imagine that, okay? Negative 50, okay? And, and you have lakes which are frozen. You know that, right? Lakes frozen. You know what these guys do? They take their SUVs and they drift on the lakes. Okay, they drift. Literally, that's like six or seven meters of thick ice. Or th- not seven meters, or at least one meter of thick ice. One meter of thick ice. Now imagine one meter of thick ice. Just like a huge ice, okay? I know, think, think about, I take a uh, one one ton rock, okay, one ton rock, okay, and I take that and I put it on the ice like that. What happens? It's crack open, right? What happened is, there was absolutely nothing over there. Something impacted in terms of weight and there was a quake. Imagine that. Imagine. Imagine that. And therefore Paul says, just not the law. It is the giving of the law. So how was the law given? <laughs> Look at how it says in Hebrews chapter 12. Just put those things in your mind, okay? Wait, and the law, and the giving of the law. Hebrews chapter 12. <clears throat> For you have not come to the mountain that may be touched and burned with fire, and to blackness and darkness and tempest, and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of the words, so that those who heard it begged. They said, the word should not be spoken to them anymore. You know what happened? For they could not endure what was commanded. And if so much as a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned or shot with an arrow. And so terrifying was the sight of that. Moses said, I am exceedingly afraid and trembling. 
notice that he was trembling because the weight. You know, God, when God comes, he does not come with, he comes with 10,000 of his angels. There was smoke, there was lightning, there was, there was absolute glory over there. Okay, then Exodus chapter 20, verses 18 and 19. Now all the people witnessed the thunderings and the lightnings. This is the giving of the law. The sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. When the people saw it, they trembled and stood afar. Then they said to Moses, you speak with us, please. You speak with us and we will hear. But let not God speak, lest we die. You know what I said? And Moses said to the people, do not fear. For what? who has come? It was just not the law. It did not come. It's just like one code. It came with God. God has come to test you. That, you, that his fear may be before you. So that you may not sin. So what did God, how did God do it? And then again, Exodus chapter 19 verse 21. And the people said to Moses, go down and warn the people. And, and the Lord said to Moses, go down and warn the people. Lest they should break through and gaze at the Lord. I was telling yesterday, no? When you are studying the word, it is not for your curiosity. It is... It is not curious. It is very serious. Because there's a, a very interesting proverb. I don't know the meaning of it. Curiosity killed the cat. And somebody added, curiosity killed the cat and fed the dog. I, I don't know what that means. It kills. Don't be curious. I mean, you don't be curious. That's exactly what happened to those people when, when they saw the Ark of the Covenant. They looked into it. Curious. Finished. Dead. So it's very important. This is serious business over here. The giving of the law. And how did God write it? Exodus chapter 31 verse 18. When the Lord finished speaking to Moses on Mount Sinai, he gave them the two tablets of the covenant law, the tablets of stone inscribed by the finger of God. That is how the law was given. Who? How did God write it? He wrote it with his finger. The glory... And the giving of the law. Just keep these two things in mind. Now tell me, when do you find the finger of God the second time? Huh? Daniel chapter 5. Oh, very, very good. Daniel chapter 5. Then they brought the gold vessels that had been taken from the temple. This is uh, Daniel chapter 5 verse 3 onwards. This is uh, Nebuchadnezzar's grandson. Temple of the house of God, and he had, uh, which had been in Jerusalem. And the king and his lords, his wives and his concubines drank from them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and silver, bronze and iron, wood and stone. In the same hour, the fingers of a man appeared and wrote opposite the lampstand on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace and the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. Then the king's countenance changed that his thoughts troubled him so that the joints of his lips were loosened and his knees started knocking against each other like this. Okay, Think about it. No, it's all graphic. Then something very interesting. Daniel is called to interpret the interpret the finger, the writing on the fingers. What does he? How does? What is written? And this is the inscription inscription that was written. Many many tekelupasin. This is the interpretation of each word. Many. God has numbered your kingdom and finished it. Tekel. You had been weighed. And found wanting. Perez, your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and the Persians and this foolish fellow, instead of repenting, oh Daniel, you are a great man. 
डंडा दे दो इसको वॉट अ फेंटास्टिक मैसेज यू प्रीच पास्टर एंड द वेरी नाइट जजमेंट कम्स होम ओके सो टू इलस्ट्रेट दिस आई हैव यूज्ड एन एनिमेशन आई होप इट शोज लाइक एन एनिमेशन सो फॉलो दिस वेरी केयरफुली डू यू नो लेडी जस्टिस हाउ मेनी इफ यू नो लेडी जस्टिस आईज ब्लाइंड imagine so that is where you have this what comes on one side so essentially what is happening on one side is a weight called god's righteousness all right and on the other side is me with all my righteousness and what happens kaik it goes on the other side wait and found one thing all my goodness all my good works all my righteousness everything that i have done against god's requirements Kuck. this is what we call as in equity okay in equity that's exactly what has happened you have been wait found wanting all your goodness now think about it now is when i was listening i was thinking about this like this one verse which came to my mind in king king james version this is what it says in psalm 16 verses 1 and 2 preserve me o lord for in thee i put my trust oh my soul thou hast said unto the lord thou art my lord my goodness does not extend to you you are so infinitely righteous so so i remain like this that's me with all my goodness and my righteousness so how would i be made equal what should come on to this side this is think about it this is infinite weight okay weight of his glory you know it's like a crack on the wall this is heavy stuff so what should come on to the other side to make it equal what 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 should my righteousness oh thank you god's righteousness and then what happens it comes back to its position i made equal and this is what we call as justification i have been justified god imputes his righteousness as a free gift when i don't trust in my own righteousness you know that is that only happens when i uphold god's righteousness but there are other ways of doing this also no <laughs> that is god's righteousness then that is me i said baba i can't do this what i'll do is i will change god's righteousness with my righteousness ha huh? then what happens automatically equal you see that is what we call a subjective truth did you get it you don't now think about this verse okay think about it. i mean i was thinking about this message it was just ringing in my mind i was telling peter peter is just brewing in my mind i just can't get over it okay this is what 111 okay it's a very interesting verse proverbs 11 verse 1 the lord detests this on a scales but accurate weights find favor with god 
So what do people do instead of upholding God's righteousness? They change the requirements and reduce the standards of God. And that's exactly what is happening in so many pulpits here in this country and around the world. And I'll tell you honestly, you know what? If you take your doctrine to the persecuted church, they will laugh at you. Laugh. Did we get our devotion today in the morning? I didn't get it. I don't know. Maybe I just missed it. Ah, that is the reason why pastor keeps sending us the worst case scenario. Every day in the morning. Test your doctrine, guys, there. Will it work in the persecuted church? They will laugh. The Lord detests. We lower the standards of God. Understand this. Such a serious thing. Mark's Gospel, chapter 7. This is what he says. Look at what he says in the context of the how conveniently we lower the requirements of the law. In verse 9, he said to them, All too well you reject the commandment of God, that you may keep up your tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother, and he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. Now you read this, okay, very carefully. He says, Whoever strikes his father and mother, let him be put to death. Whoever disrespects his father and mother, let him be put to death. That is a requirement. Even if you disrespect, isn't it interesting when the law is repeated in Deuteronomy, I, I remember pastor pointing this out to us way back, when the law is being repeated in the, work of Deut- in the book of Deuteronomy, it is not given to those people who disobeyed, it was given to the people who obeyed, and you know what they were saying? You have lost 40 years of your life because of the disobedience of, of your parents. You have lost 40 years of your life because of the disobedient disobedience of your parents. But let me tell you, whoever dishonors father and mother, let him be accursed. And what did people say? Amen. Amen. You have no right, no authority whatsoever to dishonor even at any time your father or your mother. It doesn't matter how much they would have messed up in their lives. It is not your job to do it. And one one, one of my significant breakthroughs in my conversion happened, you know what? When I realized whenever my parents punished me, I was wrong and they were right. Whenever. Categorically. Categorically. But what do you do? (laughs) He says, this is too much. But you say. God says, but you say. You know, it is written, but I say. Jesus says. What does he do? Does he lower the standard or increase the standard? He increases it. Rather, he upholds the standard. But you say, if a man says to his father and mother, whatever profit you, you might have received from me is korban. Kurban kardia. Kurban. That is, it is a gift from God. Then you do not longer let him do anything for his father and mother, making the word of God of no effect because of your tradition. And he gives... The indictment finally, Mark chapter 7. He answered and said to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. In vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. What what have they done? They have changed God's righteousness into man's righteousness. And therefore you will always stumble and you will never have true conversion. How can you believe? Therefore, Jesus says, since you accept glory, (laughs) look at that. You accept glory from one another and do not seek the glory, the weight, which keeps, which comes from God alone. 
But do not think that I accuse you before the Father. Your accuser is Moses, whom you, whom, on whom you're set, your, your hopes are set. And then he says, if you believed in Moses, you would have believed in me. And again, John's Gospel, chapter 12. Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him. Lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the glory. That, that's the word. The glory of men than the glory of God. That's what they loved. Okay. Proverbs chapter 16 verse 11. Let's read it together. Honest scales and balances belong to the Lord. See, that is not mine. Who is the standard? You know what, one kg standard? You know, one kg of anything? One kg in SI units. There is a standard which is placed in a, in a museum in France called Saint Cloud. Where there is a potassium and a platinum iridium alloy. One kg, that is a standard. That's the standard. You can't change it. It's universal, SI units. International standard. You can't change it. This is not you to change. Honest scales belong to the Lord. All the weights in the bag are his making. So, but what do people do? And therefore, you know what, what? This is very interesting what he says in Deuteronomy chapter 25. Let us read this together. You shall not have two differing weights in your bag. One heavy, one light. <laughs> this is very interesting. Oh, oh you heard the today congregation is okay. They are in a good mood to understand the truth. Let me give them something heavy. Are the congregation is too depressed. Poor fellows are going through such trouble. Let me make it a little light. You know what has happened to the preacher? He is preaching to felt needs. He is becoming subjective. One heavy, one. God is God. That is the reason why he's standard. He never changes. Proverbs chapter 5. My son, attend unto my wisdom and bow thine ear to my understanding. Thou mayest know, regard discretion that thy lips may keep knowledge. For the lips of a strange woman drop as honeycomb. They are so sweet, Baba. And her mouth is smoother than oil. But her end is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps take hold on hell. Lest thou ponder her path of life. Her ways are... Movable. That means they're not steady. They're always today one today light, tomorrow heavy. Today light, tomorrow heavy. Today light, tomorrow heavy. And you know what he says, Proverbs chapter twenty three. Unequal weights are an abomination to the Lord, and false scales are not good. Unequal weights are an abomination to the Lord. False weights are not good. To illustrate this. Luke's Gospel chapter 18, look at what it says in Luke's Gospel chapter 18. To some who were confident in their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went out to the temple to pray. The Pharisee said, and the tax, and the one was a Pharisee, the other the tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like, who's, what is your standard? Other people, not God. Not God. That is the reason why Paul says, those who compare themselves with themselves are fools. I, I remember when I went to first to the university, I was doing my PhD, enroll for my PhD. You know, my director gave us an orientation. He said, you know guys, you write a research paper. You know who's going to review your research paper? Not your friend. Okay, you wrote a research paper too, right? Your friend is not going to evaluate your thesis, by the way. There's something called a peer group. Who's a peer group? 
especially those people who are specialized in your area. Those are the people who will review your work. And most of the time, they will never be satisfied. Paper. Okay. You know, they reject. Then they will look at, so many times I got reject, okay. Sometimes, even if you cite your own work, they will call it plagiarism. They call it self-plagiarism. I, I, I am not joking, okay. I wrote a paper. In that paper, I wrote something. I did not cite my own work. And I got back this message, your, your paper is rejected because of self-plagiarism and we are going to blacklist you. And my boss and I got a shock of our life and we just wrote down to the, wrote to the editor and said, sorry sir, this was not intentional. We simultaneously sent it to two conferences, etc, etc, etc. And that is the time when they said, okay, okay, fine, last warning and let us go. You see, they are, when you look at the paper, they always want to reject. They're like, oh, okay, accept your, next. Oh, I, my first paper, honestly, first paper when I sent, it was crazy, okay? One of the incredible things that happened to me, uh, March 4th was a dead, uh, 5th was a deadline, and Abigail was born on March 4th, right? March 4th? Sorry, yeah. March 5th was, 4th was a deadline, and I had to be at, uh, I couldn't submit the paper because of Abigail's birth, alright? Then I was like, oh my goodness, what is going to happen? My boss is going to drive me crazy now. And thankfully, God sent a tsunami to, uh, to Japan. No kidding. March 2011, tsunami hit Japan and Robotics Society of Japan was the sponsor for my conference. So what they did, they postponed the deadline. Thank you, Abigail. Okay. <laughs> Don't, okay, they're not laughing at you. Just joking. Okay. Uh, I have to ask them the question. Nowadays, they're feeling off too much, Baba. I have to ask their permission nowadays. Okay. Uh, 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 all right. This is March 4th, 11th, uh, Robotic Society of Japan. Hap- I'm sorry, this happened. Japan was hit with a tsunami. They postponed the deadline. I was saying, you, thank you, Jesus. Sorry, Lord, for them, but thank you. Okay. So I went to the lab and I wrote my paper. It was like, I got the result 15 uh, hours from the deadline, 2 o'clock in the night. The final result, I was the only one in the lab. And I said, Eureka! And nobody was there. And I just wrote my paper and I put it through. The point is, deadline is a double-edged sword. Extension of the deadline. Because the number of submissions increase. You know it, right? Number of submissions increase. And for that conference, there were 2,800 submissions. Top conference in robotics. And it's a rejection, we call it a rejection conference. They look for loopholes to reject your paper. Okay, I'm like, oh my God, Lord, staying up late in the night, only praying. Okay, I used to go and pray, 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 pray. Uh, God has ways to bring you to your knees. Okay, then the final day when I got the result, 600 papers were accepted. And mine was the only paper and the only paper from India. That is what standards are. You need to come to research, you will know what the standards are there. Your, your reviewer is not your next door neighbor to say, Sabhash, kya baat hai? No, 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 no. The standards are really high. See? So, they look up. I thank God that I'm not like other people. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. That follows his, his standard there now. I fast twice. Tenth. The collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God have mercy on me, a sinner. What happened? He says, I tell you, this man rather than the other went home justified before God. 
For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. You know why? Because they have upholded, they upheld their righteousness, their standards above my standards. That's what they did. That is inequity. Final, why does, why, why, what is the whole purpose of this? Finally, where was the last time Jesus, God wrote with his finger? Do you know where he wrote with his finger the last time? First he wrote on the mountains. Second he wrote during Daniel's time. Third time, John's Gospel chapter 8. By the way, ESV, NIV don't have this. They've removed it. This they said, testing him that they might have something for of which to accuse them. But Jesus stooped down, wrote on the ground with his finger. As they do, they did not hear. This is the woman who was caught in adultery. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw the first stone. And what happened? Everybody was convicted in their conscience. Left. And then he said, Jesus said, woman, where are your accusers? Nobody to condemn. And let me, let me tell you something. The reason why we uphold the law is to not condemn. Is to bring true conviction. That is what happens when people, when we uphold the righteousness of God, what happens is true conviction begins to take place. It is not to condemn. It is to convict. But what happens most of the time, you know, like Pastor was saying, we are only the messengers. We are not the message. In a sense, we are not, we only are, we are the only the postman, okay? I don't know, there was a movie sometime, long time back, I think it was Guide, where, sorry for naming the movie, okay? Um, so I'm not learning, okay? Uh, there's, there's, a, there's a song in that, in that movie, it says, Dakia, Dakilaya, Dakia, Dakilaya. How many of you know that song? Dakia, Dakilaya, Dakia, Keval, Dakilaya. Dakia ne letter ko kya bolte hain? Patra nahi likha. Nahi rachaya. Boy, kya baat hai? Hindi is very good. See? <laughs> See? But what happens? People get upset with the Dakia. There's only, that's, that's exactly what happened. Look at this. Matthew chapter 21. Okay. Here another parable. There was a certain landowner who planted a vineyard and set a hedge around it, dug a vine press in it, built a tower, that is standard of God, and he leased it to the wine dressers and went into a far country. And when the vintage time drew near, he sent his servants to the wine dressers that they might receive some fruit. What does it mean? He was preaching the word. Preaching the word, he sent some wine dressers to see what is happening. Okay, is there fruit? If there is some fruit, please get it. Okay, so what happened? And the wine dressers took the servants, beat one, wine dresser is the dakia, beat one, killed one, stoned another. Again, he sent the servants more than the first and they did to them likewise. What are they looking? They are looking for fruit. What are we doing? We are preaching the word, hoping for some fruit. Hoping for the fruit of repentance. Then they all, then last of all, he sent his son to them saying, they will at least respect my son. But when that wine dresser saw the son, half ultimate standard, grace and truth. They said to him, 
This is the heir. Come let us kill him and seize his inheritance. So they took him, cast him out of the vineyard and he killed them. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, when he, what will he do to those vineyards? They said, he will destroy those wicked men miserably and lease his vineyard to the other vineyards who will render to them the fruits of their seasons. Jesus answered, have you never read the scriptures? The stone, the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a nation bearing the fruits of it. Why? Whoever falls on this stone will be broken, but on whomever it falls, they will be crushed to powder. The whole purpose of upholding is to bring conviction and contrition and therefore repentance and conversion. But what does people, what do people do? Instead of appreciating the message and commending the work of the messenger, they kill the messenger. That is a problem, you see. God does not want us to he didn't write just three times, okay. He wrote once in the Ten Commandments. He wrote the second time during Daniel's time. And third time he wrote on the on the floor, on the ground when that woman was brought. But ultimately God's destination to write, you know where it is? In our hearts. But only he can only write when we uphold his righteousness. Second Corinthians chapter 3 will say, do we begin again to commend ourselves? Or do we need as some other epistles of commendations to you or letters of commendation from you? You are our epistle. Written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Clearly, you are an epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God. Not as a tablet stuff, not on table, tablets of stone, but on the tablets of flesh, that is, of the heart. God ultimately wants to write his law inside of our hearts and to make us true. That is the whole purpose of upholding the truth. So that ultimately when conviction comes, when conviction comes, you know what he does? He takes that and starts writing inside of our heart through his spirit. First Peter chapter 3 and we will stop. Final verse for the day. Coming to him as to a living stone. Rejected by men. Men will reject it. But chosen by God and precious. You also as living stones are being built up. A spiritual house. A holy priesthood. To offer up spiritual sacrifices. Acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And therefore he says. Therefore it is also contained in scripture. What does he do? Behold. I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect and precious, and he who believes on him will by no means put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is the precious, he's precious. But but to those who are disobedient, what has happened? The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. That is exactly what Priyanka prayed in the last. You know what she said? Lord, when we hear the message today, 
let us not get offended. Offended. You know, a lot of people get offended. Offense. It's a, it's a stumbling. It's a rock of offense. A cause for stumbling. And they will not fall. They will not humble themselves. This evening, even as we are in God's house and we heard our last two Sundays and Wednesday message, how much of the truth is God able to write in our hearts? Truly. How is he able to write? Is he writing? Have you come up with a strategy to obey God's word? Or you just received it as some message? Okay, one more message. For intellectual stimulation. How much of it has become a part of our life? Have we lost the sense of the fear of God? Has the, you know, the more you understand truth, the more you will fear God and the more you will tremble and the more authentic your worship becomes. Therefore this, this evening in God's house, let's all just bow our hearts. Bow our hearts. Not our heads, but our hearts. Not our heads, but our hearts, saints. Not our righteousness, but his righteousness. That's what the hymn writer says. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, clothed in his righteousness alone. Faultless to stand before the throne. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. What is your standard? What is your standard? Do we have mixed weights in our bags? According to our convenience, do we change the word? Do we love the truths or do we hate it? Whenever we are confronted by the word, do we obey in repentance? Do we come up with a strategy to obey the word that we have heard? Faith without works is dead. That is the reason why the book of James will say the word of God is like a mirror and he who sees himself in his mirror and goes away is like a man who sees himself and forgets what kind of a person he is. Don't forget. Let not the devil come and steal the word. Don't get offended because of the word. It is the finger of God which is writing His law in our hearts. It's interesting when God says in the book of Luke He says, if I by the finger of God drive out demons then the kingdom of God has come upon you. And may the Lord even as we obey the truth take His the finger of the Spirit and drive out every demonic lie in our, inside of our hearts. And continue to write his truth in the inward parts of our lives. Brother, 
truth and the light of the word of God, this word of God dispel darkness and bring us into his light. Father, this evening, oh Lord, we just confess that we don't understand the demands of what your truth is truly. We are so flippant. We try to placate. We try to sugarcoat to edge, we try to adjust the word of God according to our situations instead of adjusting our lives according to your word. And therefore there is so much of iniquity in our lives. I pray God, as a church, we will never ever take your word lightly. We will not forget the weightier truths of the word of God. Mercy and justice. Father, let us become a set of people who are serious about your word. Who will uphold the righteousness of God, even if they fall short of it. But they will never change it for themselves. Otherwise, we deceive our own selves, Lord. Father, let, let there none of us, let there be none of us in this place, in this congregation, in our church, who will deceive themselves, O Lord. Because you said, whatsoever a man sows, he will reap. If you sow in the flesh, you will reap corruption. If you sow by the Spirit, you will reap, reap eternal life and enable us to sow in the Spirit in our hearts this evening. Father, enable us to continue to meditate upon your word. Let it continue to do the work of transformation in our minds and and continue to dispel darkness and bring light and hence make us into a light in these last days. Where the standards have been compromised all around the world. But you said, O Lord Jesus, The church of the living God is the pillar of ground and ground of truth. And if we have become compromised and have watered down the truth, Father, forgive us. Forgive me, O Lord, if we have ever taken the word of God and watered it down to suit our own lives and our lifestyle. Forgive us for iniquity. Father, we confess our rebellion and our sin. Cleanse us and wash us and make us clean. And justify us and make us right with you so that we might find favor with God and with man. Oh, Father, truly we look up to the hills from whence cometh our help. Our help cometh from the, from the Lord, the maker of heaven and the earth. O Lord, you will never change. You will never change, O Lord. You are immutable, O Lord. It is we who need to change. But we are so movable. We are so prone to wandering. We are so prone to straying from your ways, from your truth. We are so prone to watering down the word. Dispel darkness. And bring life into our lives. Show us who we really are. Change us from inside. Write your loss into the deepmost parts of our heart. And cause us to walk in your ways. We thank you. We praise you. In Jesus name. Amen.